we are in the last week of the series we started a few weeks ago called Holiday Prep. We are preparing our relationships for the most wonderful time of the year. When we began in week one, we were in the book of James and we learned how we are to relate, um, how we are to communicate with one another because that's important in relationships, right? And we learned that we are to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And then in week two, we built upon that by looking at a passage from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, that said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up others according to their needs, that it may be beneficial to all those who listen. And what a challenge to even go deeper in our application. And then last week, we talked about love. We talked about how we are called as Christians to practice a love that's called agape in the Greek And it's God's type of love for us. It's how God is described in the Bible. It says that God is agape. And we talked about the practical application of how that that plays out. And and today we're going to be really doing more practical application and putting it all together today. And we're going to be in Romans 12 today. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Romans chapter 12. And as always, every week, you are welcome to follow along on your phone or your tablet Just download the Oakwood app, go to Sermon Notes, and all of the notes and all of the scriptures will be there for you. But we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. Let me preface this as we're going to read through this entire passage together. Let me me just give you some things that I want you to notice. Sometimes in scripture, when we read a chunk of scripture, we read it, we nod, and we go, hey, that's good. Oh, yeah, that's some good stuff in there. Sometimes when we read it again, something might jump out of us. So I didn't catch that the first time, but I caught it this time that, oh, he was saying this. And it actually took me several times of reading the passage before I realized this has some abrupt changes. Right in the, right in the middle of all these verses that are, that are written together, uh, right in the middle of a paragraph even, there's some abrupt changes. It's talking about our relationship with God and our spiritual walk and our spiritual depth. And then it talks about our relationship with one another. And then it goes back and talks about a relationship with God. And then it goes back and talks about a relationship with one another. And it keeps going back and forth. And I think the overarching theme here is that this is all connected. That it's hard to have a right relationship with humans if you do not have a right relationship with your Heavenly Father. And perhaps the overarching fact of the passage today is that that is the truth. And you're going to see it as we read it together. So let's, let's, let's go ahead and read uh, Romans chapter 12. We're going to begin with verse 9 and read through the end of the chapter. Romans chapter 12. Well, verse 9 begins with what we talked about last week, that word love. It's agape here. And that kind of love, God's kind of love, says this. Love must be sincere. That word sincere in the Greek uh, is a compound Greek word that means non-hypocritical. Must not be hypocritical. It must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another and do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. 
And do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. (laughs) And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I want to share several takeaways from this uh, text this morning. And and again, it's all we can learn all the scripture in the world, right? We we can learn it every week, but if we don't apply what God is challenging us with, what He is calling us to, nothing will ever change. And my hope for you is that this is the best holiday season you've ever had with your friends and your family and your your people at work and everyone because you're applying what. The principles of the Bible have said to us over the last several weeks. First thing, first takeaway uh, today is this. Your spiritual condition directly affects your relationships with people. Your spiritual condition directly affects your relationships with people. And look, and look, look what it says in the second part of verse 9. Right at the very beginning. It says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Hate what is evil cling to what is good. It's talking about our spiritual condition here. And that word hate is a really, really strong word. You know, he, he could have easily said, hey, just, just, just dislike what is evil and cling to what is good. But no, 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 it, it goes way deeper than that. It goes beyond that. The, the, that word there, hate, means to abhor. It means that you're actually horrified by it. That should be your attitude toward evil, toward sin, Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And that word cling is like you're clinging to something like your very life depends on it. So many times I think today we're just like, oh, yeah, you know, just, you know, kind of dislike a little bit. Don't get too vocal about it, you know, but, but just dislike evil, you know, somewhat and, 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 you know, do some good things. And that's, that's good. No, no, no. Do you, do you get do you get what he's saying here and the depth of, what, of how he's saying it? He's saying, hate what is evil. Just hate it so much you would never even consider it. It's not okay with you. It is not okay with Christians. It is not okay with God's church. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Again, speaking to our spiritual condition because our spiritual condition and the way we relate to God and the way we relate to other people in the world are, I think, inseparable. Relationships are practical Christianity lived out. That, that's what they are. And you need to realize that there's no compartmentalization in life. So many times we think, well, we'll just compartmentalize, right? I got my church door open today, right? I, I use my church language, my church attitudes, my church thoughts. I put that away. I go to work tomorrow. Now I'm, I'm pulling out my church, my uh, work drawer. It has um, some language that I don't use. Well, you know, we'll never use in church because, you know, but God doesn't know that I'm using it on Monday because, you know, he's, he's asleep or, you know, I mean, who are we fooling here, Right? It's the hypocrisy that's lived out that destroys the testimony of Christians and God's church. And, and so, but, but, you know, we try to compartmentalize our life and separate everything. And I think this is true in our relationships. We think as long as I, as, as I just don't hate on my brother or sister in Christ, as long as I can just, just, just barely get along with them, maybe, maybe, 
that that's okay, it won't affect my relationship with God. Sometimes it's vice versa. Someone's like, oh, I can have great relationships in this world, and I am far from God. Who are we fooling really? I think they are relating to one another. And that's the way that God intended it to be. If your relationship with God is right and strong, your relationship with other people can be right and strong. When sin and evil are on the decrease in your life, good can be on the increase in your life, and that affects everything, yes, even your attitudes and your actions toward relationships. And here he begins by saying, that our agape must be sincere and that we need to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And then in verse 10, he gives us a directive to one another that we're supposed to love one another and honor one another. And then he goes back to the spiritual walk and he's focused on a relationship with God again. Look what he says in, in verses 11 and 12. He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be, joy, be joyful in hope, <clears throat> patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. It's interesting how verses 11 and 12 are written because they're written in this this type of um, language skill that's called triads it's three things and what's funny about it is you see it throughout scripture uh, you see it throughout the new testament especially but even in the old testament sometimes you see how things are written as a triad it's three things i mean i mean get the rhythm to it okay uh, in verse 11 never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the lord verse 12 be joyful in hope Patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Again, three. Where we see this in other places, there's an obvious place in Scripture that you can read this. You've probably heard it before. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You see that there's this rhythm to it. And it's to try to draw attention to this. It's to say that here's three spiritual applications about your spiritual condition and your relationship with God and in how it's going to affect everything else in life. This is part of the mystery of the Holy Scriptures, I think, is that Scripture does these nuances sometimes, and we, we study and we think about it, and we see how God designs it and puts it together. And even in our passage, notice what he begins with in verse 9. He says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Now jump down to the last verse, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, he begins, and then he ends where he begins and where he ends because he is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. And because he's saying this is the bookmarks of it, what it really boils down to in your relationship with God and your relationship with others is turn your back and repent of sin and evil in your life and turn toward the goodness and the greatness of Almighty God. And then the rest of the passage is showing us the practical application of how that is lived out. Your spiritual condition directly affects your relationships with other people. The second thing from our passage this morning, we are called to show preference and honor to others, and in doing so, we reflect Christ. We are called to show preference and honor to others, and in doing so, we reflect Christ. We live, and we, we touched on this last week and even the week before, we live with this other's first mentality that expresses care and concern for other people above even our personal preferences, above even our plans and agendas, above even selfishness and anything that would serve us. That's why we're called to service of others in the kingdom of God. Look at verse 10. It says, be devoted to one another in love. 
It's actually devotion. Honor one another above yourselves. We talked about honor last week with that parenting illustration that we're, we're called to honor one another. And, and, and then, uh, again, we go through verses 11 and 12. It gives us these, these spiritual things we're to do. And then in 13, it shifts back to our relationships with people again. And then 13 through 16, it gives us this list. Let's just read it, uh, beginning there, uh, verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And live in harmony with one another and do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So in verse 13, it gives us two. It says we're to share with the Lord's people who are in need. Now we know as Christians that we are also called to share with any of the poor and needy that are in need. But it's interesting because in the New Testament, there are several places where it says it's, it, it says specifically with those in the family of God, with those brothers and sisters in Christ, with the Lord's people. So we are to, to meet the needs and to serve the poor, but we are especially to do that within the, our own body, within the church, within the family of God. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Do you remember the book of Acts at the launch of the church? And do you remember how uh, the church was, was noticed in Jerusalem? And it was because the, the people of Jerusalem were drawn into this crowd of people that took care of each other. In fact, we read in the book of Acts that it says that those in the church, none of them had need. None of them had need. Why? Because they shared those, those resources that God had blessed them with. They shared them with one another. And they made sure that none amongst the body of believers had need. Are we doing that today? And how does that affect relationships? Think about that. And then at the end of 13, he gives us, so we're not only to just share, we're to practice hospitality. We're, we're, we're to practice making people feel genuinely wanted and welcomed in the body of Christ. Practice hospitality. Then we get to verse 14. And, and it basically, the message of verse 14 is to bless. Bless and do not curse. Wish blessings, wish good things. Wish the Lord's favor on people and not bad things. And then we get to verse 15. And 15 is one of those verses that I just think we could practice so much more as a church. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And sometimes in the church, we do a really good job of that. We really do. And sometimes in the church, I think we do a really lousy job of that. Let me explain what I mean. Sometimes you have a brother or sister in Christ that, that the Lord is just blessing. And they get on a roll, right? I mean, it's like a winning streak of all winning. I mean, they've got a promotion at work, and they, then they got to move into a new house, and now this, and their sons and daughters are successful, and they, they got this, and, and now they've been elevated to this position. And, and you know, it's just, it just seems like, wow, they're on the streak. And the Bible says to rejoice with those who rejoice. That if someone comes to you and says, hey, we want a trip to Alaska, and we get to go to Alaska for a month, all expense paid, and you're like, man, I've never been to Alaska. I really want to go to Alaska, too. Why can't I go to Alaska? It's, it's in its simplest form, being happy for them. Not being jealous of them. Not saying, well, when am I going to get mine? You know, why are they getting all the blessings? And I'm not getting the blessings. Rejoice with those who rejoice. When good things are happening in someone else's life, give them a high five. Give them a hug. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And in doing so, you actually keep your right spirit within check as well, right? 
And I think sometimes we do this well in the church, and sometimes if we're being honest, we don't. We're jealous of what other people, when good things happen in their life, and I only have bad things happening in my life, and it's not, it's not fair, and all that selfishness, sometimes a little bit of pride and conceit come in. Again, our passage is warning us about these things. But sometimes you, I know what it is. You know, you, you, you get on fake book and insta lie and you know you're you're looking at those things you're like man they've got it all you know and it's like hey rejoice with those who rejoice seriously like 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 reach out to them and say hey i'm so happy for you rejoice with those who rejoice and then the antithesis of that is god's family and how we're to live as believers with one another and how we're to bless each other in relationships we not only rejoice when we're rejoicing together we rejoice in someone else's win but we mourn with those who mourn. That's God's church being the church. Mourn with those who mourn. And sometimes I think we do, we do an okay job of that. And sometimes I think we don't. The best way I know to illustrate this is something that I experienced several years ago. Uh, my aunt had passed away really kind of suddenly. It was just, she kind of got a diagnosis and I think it was like a year and a half later she, she was gone. Uh, she, uh, they're from a church in Kansas City, Missouri, and I went to uh, the, the funeral. Uh, I, I wasn't doing anything, you know, in the service. I, I wasn't, you know, giving the message or, or, you know, praying or reading scripture. And I was just part of the family, uh, just, just there with the family to support. And, and I remember the, the, uh, the funeral was, it was, you know, like normal funerals are. A lot of them, you know, they're not Saturday. You know, it was like during the, during the work week, during a weekday. I remember pulling up into the church parking lot and thinking, gosh, there's a lot of cars here. And it's a rather large church. And, and, and I was like, man, there's a, there's a lot of cars here. I go in and, I'm, you know, we're, we're ushered in with the family. We're in this room. And then, you know, the service starts. And we're walking in. And the church is full. Like full. Like, like I almost felt like standing room only. Now, they had a balcony. I'm sure maybe up in the balcony there were a few seats. But the church was full. I was shocked. And I thought, what work for the kingdom did my aunt accomplish when she was alive in this church? You know, I know she taught Sunday school for little kids, and she probably did that for like two generations. So uh, maybe, you know, she had all those families and all those kids there, you know, maybe. But beyond that, I'm just like, whoa, like what kind of kingdom work did she do? Because, you know, sometimes I've, I mean, I've been to like a, a minister's you know, funeral, and, and, and that doesn't even pack the church out. So, you know, it's kind of like, wow, this is, you know, I was waiting to hear. It's like, what, what did she do? And I, and I heard the service and, and, and heard about her life, and, and, and I knew her, and I was like, you know, it was nothing like, like significant or amazing other than, hey, that's what Christians should do. Like, we should all be doing the things that she was doing. And I remember, it was about a week later, I asked my uncle, who had uh, just, just lost his wife, I said, what, is, you know, why was that funeral so big? Like, I just felt like everybody was there. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's, that's how we do things in our church. He said, you know, the scripture that talks about mourn with those who mourn, we're there for one another. We show up. I thought, wow. That's the church. Being the church when we mourn with those who mourn, we show up. I know a lot of times when someone's mourning, because I hear this a lot from people, I don't know what to say. Sometimes you say it best, to take a line from a country song, when you say nothing at all. Maybe just a hug and a tear and a prayer. 
is all that needs to be said. And sometimes you speak volumes of support for a family by your presence. You made the sacrifice. You sacrificed your lunch break that day. You made the sacrifice to drive in from out of town. It affects people and it affects relationships. And I feel like the bond of God's church and its people is amplified. The relationships are closer when we rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I think this also affects families. Be there as much as you can. I know sometimes someone you know, dies 12 states away and they put the thing on the funeral day and you got this thing and you can't. I mean, I understand it doesn't always work. But as much as possible, be there for each other and be there in the times of rejoicing as well as the times where we're going through some stuff, some mourning. And then you get to verse 16. It says, hey, it's a reminder to all of us. Live in harmony with one another. Keep the peace. Live in harmony. Do not be proud, but willing to, be willing to associate with people of low position. That that's, was the model of Jesus. What did he do? Sinners, outcasts, come. I'll do lunch at your place. And everybody's like, gosh, we're the religious types. He won't even eat lunch with us. He goes around with the low position people all the time, you know. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not think of yourself higher than you ought. We're called to show preference and honor to others, and in doing so, we reflect Christ. Third thing this morning, be careful how you treat your friends, family, and enemies. Hmm. I got the friends family part, right? But, but the enemies part, yeah, yeah, be careful how you do that. Look what it says in verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And what he means by that is that when everybody's watching the situation play out, make sure you're doing the right thing. You take the high road. You be the one. Even if sometimes that means, well, I just want to lash back. I want to send that text, send that email. I want to fire back. I'm gonna... And you're just, you just back off and you're silent and you just pray. Maybe you're not the one that's amping it up, but you're the one that's trying to de-escalate the situation. But whatever it is, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And then you go down to verse 19 and 20. And it says, do not take revenge, my dear friends. Don't take revenge. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. You see, the Lord is the righteous judge. He not only judges the actions, he judges the attitudes, thoughts, and convictions of the heart. Wow. God sees into things and into people in a way that we never will. We might see the symptoms of the problem or, the, or through the behavior, but we cannot understand the inner workings of man. That is left to God. And God says here, it is mine to avenge. If there needs to be if there needs to be some action taken, the Lord says, mind to avenge, and I will repay in due time. Sometimes it's not on your timeline. Sometimes you, you want them to befall next week. That's not going to happen. But in God's time and in according to his perfect will, he will repay. And then look what it says in verse 20. On the contrary, if your enemy, okay, and it's talking about an enemy here, your adversary, okay, Someone who is against you, someone that hates you, someone who treats you like junk, that person, right? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Really? And if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And you think about the application of that, it's kind of weird. It's talking about like food and drink. But it's talking about meeting their needs and God's love. 
but they're coming against me. They're my enemy. That's not even like wise, is it? But I would remind you of the scripture in the same book of Romans that says, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were still enemies of Jesus Christ in our life of sin, Jesus still chose to sacrifice and to die for us. And so if your enemy is hungry, give them something to eat. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And those who want a little satisfaction out of it can read the rest of the verse, okay? In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Okay, now that is figuratively, okay? <laughs> Not literally. And again, it, you know, it's a, you know, no one to misinterpret what he's saying here in the scriptures. Like, you know, you'll, you'll get to take some hot coals and just set it on their skull or on their noggin, you know. It's like, no, that's not what it's saying here. But it's saying what it's like. I mean, if, if you're really hating on someone and they're doing nothing but being kind and loving to you, then at some point you get frustrated like, oh, oh, man, I'm just so frustrated because I'm just hating on them and they're just loving me back and I'm hating on them and they're being nice to me and I'm hating on them and they're praying for me. and It's like putting heaping coals on their head. It's a little more than agitative. It might cause a meltdown. Get it? Meltdown. Anyway, heaping coals on the head. Don't repay evil. Don't seek revenge. Be a Christian. Do the right thing. Let God's wrath come. Let God deal with them. And be, be kind to your enemies. Feed them. Offer them something to drink. And then we get to the last application of the passage, which this is verse 18. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And if we really are talking about like the holiday season, isn't that what we all want? It's just peace? <sighs> Wouldn't it be nice to go to the family gatherings and just have peace? Peace in my home with my children and my wife. Peace with the extended family. Peace with the friends we get together with. Peace that all these years of things that have happened, we can put away and just have peace. But look what it says there in verse 18. The whole verse begins with this. If it is possible, <laughs> if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, not the other person, as far as it depends on you, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, as far as it depends on you. It doesn't really talk about the other party. It doesn't talk about how bad they are. It just says, hey, as far as it depends on you, you're going to do the right thing. You're going to take the high road. Live at peace with everyone. And he does open up the door here and, and realize that some people just... You're, you're never going to have peace with them. They're just, they're just far gone. They just can't let things go. But you can honestly take a step back at some point and say, well, you know what? It's not because I didn't do my part. It's not because of, I, I didn't try. As far as it depends on you, your attitudes, your actions, the things within your control, live at peace with everyone. Because if you think about it, anyone can return evil for evil. And really, anyone, even a non-Christian, could return good for good. That's, that's the easy way. But what about returning good for evil? I'm not sure a non-Christian could do that because I think Christians might struggle with that too. 
But I believe that's why where he began is where he ends in the passage when he says, but hate what is evil and cling as if you're holding on for dear life to what is good. Do not be overcome by evil. Don't let it overcome you. Don't let it run your life. Don't let it make you, make you negative. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Because when you're practicing and uplifting good, I think good things can happen in your relationships. The thing I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention it is that I think it's really hard to truly have peace in relationships unless you have peace with God in your heart. If you want peace, and most everybody I would say is probably yes, 110%, yes, I just want a little peace. You have to first have a relationship with the Prince of Peace. The one who sacrificed his life for you and hung on the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ. And when you have that relationship with Jesus Christ, right, when he is the first, most, best, and highest in your life, and when you love him, then these things that it's talking about kind of come, all come into fruition. You're never going to lack in zeal. You're going to keep your spiritual fervor because you're serving the Lord. You're a servant of the Lord. You're actually going to be involved in ministry. And when you do those things, you'll be joyful in hope. You'll be patient when you face the times of affliction. But always, through it all, remain faithful in prayer. And when we do these things and we make our peace with the Prince of Peace, it's amazing how that peace then finds its way into all of our relationships with God's people. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, our family and our friends. And interestingly enough, in our passage, it talks about our enemies too. You can have a good relationship with an enemy because of Jesus Christ. Because the Prince of Peace has brought about true peace in your life. This morning, we're going to take communion now. And hopefully you grab those emblems as you came in. And if you're online, hopefully you've made those preparations at home. It's a very important part of our worship. And this morning, I want you to think of the sacrifice of Jesus as the peace offering. Because it was. Jesus was the atonement of our sin. Substitutionary atonement, the willing sacrifice of the Son of God who died to bring us what? First, peace with God and hope of eternal life someday in heaven if we accept him, if we love him. And the second thing is peace even on earth, a little peace that's only possible because of Jesus Christ. A piece that talks about in the book of Philippians that surpasses human understanding and guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. How, why? Because we're in Christ Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And so as you take this bread this morning that represents his body and this cup that represents his blood, and you do this in remembrance of his sacrifice, I want you to remember the Prince of Peace died to bring you peace with God. And after that, a peace with one another to the glory of God the Father.